We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. Turn with me to Luke chapter 1. We want to continue the message I began two weeks ago talking about ordinary people receiving extraordinary blessings from God. And really when we consider the Christmas season, that really is what it's all about. It's about that God has favored you and me and chose to give us his son, Jesus Christ, and to give us an extraordinary blessing that we can never earn or begin to deserve. So from Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26, reading through verse 28 of that passage of scripture, the Bible says these words. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. Notice she wasn't troubled seeing an angel. She was troubled by what the angel said to her. Very interesting point. She was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. If there's one pronouncement you should desire over your life, it is that pronouncement. You have found favor with God. Because when we find favor with God, it opens the arena of our spiritual relationship to all new dimensions and aspects and happenings. Behold, you'll conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. And he'll be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he'll reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. There will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? The angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is born of you will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. In other words, if God can do that miracle, he can do this for you, Mary. Sometimes we need to remember what God has already done, what he's already performed in order to activate his promise that's in our life today. The angel said, God's already caused a woman who is barren to have a son. So if he can do that, he can do this for you. Then Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Father, we ask now for your anointing and your blessing upon the ministry of your word. We ask that in this room today, faith will be built. Hearts will be encouraged. Men and women, boys and girls turn towards you. And always and ever remind us, Jesus really is the reason that we're here today. And he really is the reason we celebrate at Christmas. We thank you for it in his name. Amen. You know, as I begin thinking about preparing for this message, I begin to think about ordinary people influencing our lives. Mary was an ordinary woman, actually a teenage girl. Joseph was a very ordinary man. There was nothing distinguished about him except... He was of the lineage of David. Nazareth was a backwater town that nobody wanted to go to, but it was there the angel found Mary. Ordinary things, ordinary events, ordinary people. 
So many times we think that for someone to influence my life, they have to be special. They have to be extraordinary. But I would challenge you right now this morning, matter of fact, on the back of that uh, CHC today, why don't you write down some things for me? I challenge you to think about some people who are ordinary people who have influenced your life in an extraordinary way. Maybe it was a parent, maybe it was a co-worker, maybe it was a friend, maybe it was the person who led you to Christ. But I would venture as you're making those notes and writing those names, not one of them will be the name of a celebrity or a famous person. Not one of them will be the name of a president of the United States. But every one of them will be ordinary people who God used in some way to put an extraordinary blessing into your life. You know, we think of Mary and the story of Jesus coming through her, and we think she is so special. She was special because she was chosen of God. But I've got news for you this morning. Every person in this room is special as well because you too have been chosen of God. And God wants to use people just like you and me. We're not celebrities. We're not famous. We're not rich. We're not powerful. We're ordinary people. But it's ordinary people that God chooses to pour his blessings through. You look with me in verse 29 of that passage of scripture when it says, When Mary saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what matter of greeting this was. The angel appeared and began speaking to Mary. And it wasn't the fact that he showed up that bothered her. That fit in her religious box. It's what he was saying to her that caused her to get upset, confused, fearful. Can I tell you, we have God in these little boxes. And as long as God stays in these little boxes, everything is fine. But when God dares to step out of our box of religion, or our box of theology, or our box of experience, that's when you and I too have a problem. We look at that scripture and we laugh. Why would she be afraid? Because the angel was talking to her. It's because of what he was saying. Do we understand that? It's because of what he was saying. He was blowing her mind. He was exploding every preconceived notion. He was pulling the limits off her life at that moment in time. And I've got news for you this morning. I believe when God shows up in our life and when he chooses to pull the limits off, when he chooses to expand our faith, when he chooses us to challenge us with something that is far greater and far bigger than you and I can even conceive, it causes us to be troubled too. Seldom when God shows up and tells us he wants to do something that's greater than us, do we jump up and down and say, oh yeah, yeah, that's me, yippee, yippee, yippee. No, we back away. Are you really sure about that? You got the wrong guy. There's a lot of Steves in this world. Maybe you're calling the wrong one. Yeah, and we back off. We run and hide. We're troubled just like Mary was troubled. It's interesting to me that the angel said to her, do not fear. It's interesting that God has a way of saying that just when he tells us he wants to do something that's greater than what we thought. Something that may in fact terrify us. The thought of having a baby being a virgin, that terrified Mary on many, many different levels. And so many times when God comes to us and asks us to do something, it terrifies us as well. Let me say this. If your dreams are so tiny that you can accomplish them, why do you need God? 
If what you envision, what you want to do is manageable in your own skills, your own strengths, your own ability, your own resources, why do you need God? No, I believe that even yet today, God is looking for Marys. He's looking for people who will allow them to challenge him, him to challenge them, so that they can step outside of that arena of the mundane, outside of that arena of tiny vision and tiny dreams, and believe that God can do something great even through me. When God shows up and do not fear, it's always before he is ready to make an announcement that very well may terrify you and me. God said, do not fear, do not fear. But he's coming with a request. He's coming with an announcement. He's coming with something that brings terror to Mary's hearts. But again, if we can do it, why do we need him? This is something that was so far outside of herself. Mary's told, don't fear. Why not? Because you are highly favored. Two weeks ago, we talked about being highly favored of God. So let me expand on that just a little bit. How do we know the favor of God? How do we understand and walk in the favor of God? Well, first and foremost, it comes with honoring God. Putting Him first in our life. Recognizing that He is the Lord of the universe, the creator of all that is and was and is to come. That He is the Almighty. It comes with putting Him first in every aspect of our lives. In our relationship, in our careers, in our homes, in our finances, in our future. God is first in all, above all, and over all. It's only when we choose to honor God that we're going to know the favor of God. That concept blows me away. So many people talk about the favor of God and they're doing what they want to do. You're not living in the favor of God, folks. That just isn't happening. The favor of God falls on our lives when we choose to honor Him. What does Matthew 6.33 say? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. What are all these things? Those are things that we call the favor of God. You see, we define God's favor as having food to eat, clothes to wear, a house to live in, money in the bank, then I must be highly favored. Can I tell you the favor of God is so much greater than that, so much broader than that, so much deeper than that. Yes, you should be thankful for the things God has blessed you with, but you also should know and understand that the favor of God enables me to walk in relationship with the Most High. I can talk to Him. He walks with me. He never leaves me. He never forsakes me. Oh, I am highly favored because God is a place of honor in my life. We need to understand that today. The favor of God comes as we begin to honor Him. It doesn't happen any other way. God chose Mary, not because she was full of wisdom, not because she had life experience, but because she was an ordinary girl with an obedient heart and a willing spirit. If you want to see God do something great in your life, simply obey. Simply be willing. Simply say, God, I'm here. Use me if you can. If it's possible, do what you desire in and through my life. Look at verse 31. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and, and shall call his name Jesus. God determined this, determined this is the appointed time. Now is when the Messiah will come. The Savior of the world will be born. And he's coming not as a mighty king. He's coming as a babe in a manger. He's coming not to a palace, but he's coming through a girl from Nazareth. He'll be born in a barn in Bethlehem. It defied all odds. And you're going to call his name Jesus. 
Joshua, Yeshua. We know that the angel said to Joseph, you're going to call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. He was coming with purpose. Do we understand that? We come and we worship a little babe in the manger at Christmas time. We pay tribute before a nativity scene. But do we understand? That's not the Messiah we now serve. He came as a man. He lived as a man. He died as a man. But he rose as a king. He rules as a king. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is over all, in all, and through all. Oh, somebody know. He came for a purpose. And that was deliver man, men from their sins. Verses 32 and 33, he will be great. And we called the son of the highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He'll reign over the house of Jacob forever and, his kingdom, and of his kingdom there will be no end. When you understand that, that he come to, has come to deliver, he has come to save, he has came to ransom, he has came to watch over his kingdom and establish it eternally forever and ever and ever, it gives you a whole new perspective of the Christmas story. Matter of fact, you can flip back to Isaiah and read it in verses 1 and through 7 of chapter 53. When this is talking about the coming Messiah, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. He was born in a manger. From a girl from Nazareth. No form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Listen, when you think about Jesus on the cross, there's nothing at all beautiful about that. There's nothing at all that makes you want to run to that in the natural flesh and experience. It only comes through him drawing you and I. He is despised and rejected by men. He's a man of sorrows, acquainted with, G, uh, with grief. Verse 4, but surely he bore our sorrows. He carried our sorrows. Yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God, afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised. For our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. I venture to say that every person in this room, as I read that verse, said, that's for me today. That's for me today. Let's hear it one more time. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. Oh, someone needs to declare that today. That's the promise of God through the Christ child to you and I this morning. He isn't some inept little baby lying in a manger. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords who was wounded for your transgressions, bruised for your iniquities. The chastisement of your peace is upon him. And by his stripes, I am healed. That's the promise of the Christ child today. That's the definition of why he came for you and me. You see, God loves us so much that he wants to bless us. But the blessings of God often require our participation. Now think about it. Mary could have said, nope, I want none of that. Going down the road, you got the wrong gal. I'm not going to be a part of that circus. We have that choice as well. When God shows up at our doorstep and says, this is what I want you to do, and it blows our mind, 
It's bigger than we can dream or imagine. By the way, that's the kind of God we serve, a God that's bigger than we can dream or imagine. So when God speaks something to you and it's bigger than you can dream or imagine, you can be assured this isn't coming because I ate beans for supper last night. It's coming by the Spirit of God. Come on. We need to understand God challenges us to do things that are greater than we are. He loves to bless us, but often his blessing requires our participation. We need to understand that it doesn't take anything in terms of blessing or faith to simply do what we want to do. To simply live this nice little Christian life in modern America where we don't have a lot of challenges or pressures, it doesn't require a lot of faith. I can get up, I can come to church every Sunday and every Wednesday. I can read my Bible in the privacy of my home. Maybe once a year I'll even witness to somebody and it's not going to be a challenge to me. But when I determine that I want to be used of God as Mary was used of God, when I determine that I want something greater than this nine to five life that so many of us live, when I determine that I serve a God who's bigger than my dreams and my imaginations, and he can use me to do things that I could never begin to imagine, when I determine that's the kind of life I want to live, it requires faith. Why? Because it's going to mean I have to do things I don't want to do. Listen, that's faith, friend. It's not doing what you want to do. Faith isn't doing what you want to do. Faith is doing what you don't want to do. Faith is going where you don't want to go. Obedience and faith coupled together gets you to places you will never go if you stay locked in your little box. Mary didn't say, well, you know, that doesn't fit into my theology. I know a Messiah is coming, but he's certainly not coming through me. Oh, would someone in this place realize God has been calling you? God has been grabbing you. God has been shaking you. God has been asking you to step up and step out and do something that's bigger than yourself. It's time to stop resisting and step in. Step in. Let him use you. Let him prove to you that he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you will ask or even think. But it requires your participation. It requires you saying, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Verse 34, Mary had a question. Look at that with me and let's read it. Verse 34 of Luke chapter 1. Mary said, but how can this be? Since I do not know a man, she knew basic biology. She understood what was required to have a child, and she knew she didn't meet those requirements. It's one of the mysteries of the gospel that Mary didn't understand, and really, neither do you and I. And the problem is often, just like Mary, we don't like mysteries. I want to know what the next step is and the next one and the next one. Matter of fact, God, it would be real nice if you would show me where I'm going to be 10 years from now and how I'm going to get there. Isn't that us? Come on, isn't that us? We plan for everything. And then when something puts a kink in our plans, we get all bent out of shape. I mean, there's a lot of folks that... That they have set, set down, they planned it out, they have it perfect. It's all going to be well and good and wonderful. And then something happens to blow their plans apart. 
A spouse leaves, there's a financial crisis, a child is sick and dies, a spouse dies, on and on we could go, something that puts a kink in your perfect plan. What do we do when we don't understand? Mary was honest. She said, I don't understand. This just is not physically possible. It can't happen this way. We need to understand it's in that mystery that our faith begins to shine. See, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. The message says it this way, it's the handle on what I can't see. When I'm living by faith, I may not be able to see the next step. I may not know what tomorrow holds. I may not have a plan for 10 years from now. But this much I know, if my faith is anchored in the living God, He's got my tomorrows in His hand. He's taking care of the next step. He'll give light when I need light. I, have, I know that He's working in the dark to bring a result that will bring honor to Him and glory into His, into his life and in preference and presence into my life. We have to understand that, that this is what God has promised in and over our lives. Faith begins to be activated when we're faced with the mystery. When we don't understand, you're not going to understand everything, folks. There's a lot of things I don't have answers to. Someone came to my office not very long ago, just a couple of weeks, and they were talking to me about these very issues. Why is it that Everybody's prayer is an answer. Why is it that the cry of everyone's heart isn't complete? You know, all I could say to them is you need to read Hebrews 11. Because it talks about those who were strong in faith. It talks about those who fought battles, who won victories, who took cities, who defeated the enemies. But it also talks about those who died in their faith. It talks about those who were killed by the sword and by the fire. Oh, hear me, folks. When we try to put God in this little bitty box and say, if you don't do it this way, it must not be of you. We are limiting what he wants to do and we are resisting the mystery of the gospel of Christ. It's time to know and understand that God is bigger than all that. And if God chooses to do something in my life that I don't understand, my response is not to resist Him. My response is to move forward in faith. And say, I believe that you're a good father. And I believe you have a great plan for my life. And I believe you'll never do anything that will harm me. So Lord, I choose to follow you fully. I choose to pursue you with all of my passion and see what you're going to do at the end of the mystery. Look at verse 35. She said, I don't know how this is going to be. And the angel gave her the answer. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is born in you will be called the Son of God. My folks, folks that is the answer to every question of life. It's not a matter of how am I going to do this. It's a matter of how am I going to get myself in the position where the power of the Most High can overshadow me, where the Holy Ghost can come upon me, where God can do something in me and through me that defies everyone around me that people say is not natural. It is not of this flesh. It is not of this world. Oh, somebody, put yourself in the place where God can do something in you. For the power of the Most High will overshadow you. For you move from the aspects of the routine 
and see God do something wonderful and mighty. Remember, your cousin Elizabeth, she's been barren her whole life. She's never had a child, but she's six months pregnant. That's the sign the angel gave to Mary. Someone said, well, I need a sign. Can I tell you, it's in the book. You just need to open it and read it. You're looking for a sign. It's right here. You're looking for an answer. It's right here. Stop looking to the left or to the right. Open the pages of the scripture and let God speak to your heart. And he will tell you, if you allow me to overshadow you, the Holy Ghost to come upon you, great things are going to happen. You know the good thing? Doesn't cost you a dime to do that. Every time I drive to church, I pass by a palm reader up on North Monroe. When we came here, it was $10 to get your palm read. There's a sign out in front. No, I haven't been there. Just clarify. There's a sign out in front, palm reading, 10 bucks. Well, about two months ago, I guess inflation hit the palm reader as well, because now it's 20 bucks to get your palm read. 20 bucks to have some mystic tell you the future that has nothing to do with reality. Can I tell you, stay away from that nonsense. If you need answers, turn to the living Word of God. If you need direction, let the Holy Ghost overshadow you. If you need to know what to do, hear it from the pages of the book. You don't need to turn to the horoscope or astrology or a palm reader or a tarot card reader. You need to turn to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Turn to the one who already knows the answer. Because he knows the end from the beginning. I know the plans I have towards you, is what he said. Read it. It's in Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have towards you. That's specific and it's personal. It's not broad brush. Daniel, he knows the plans he has for you. Nancy, he knows the plans he has for you. Emory, he knows the plans he has for you. Uh, Angela, he knows the plans he has for you. Hear it, that's personal, that's specific. Now that plan may not always be what you choose. But it always brings with it promise of hope and future. Oh, come on, folks, you need to get this this morning. When you need an answer, turn to the Word of God because He already has an answer for your life. If you will allow Him to overshadow you, the power of the Most High to invade you, He will bring the answer. Mary said, how in the world could this happen? Because the Holy Ghost is going to overpower you. The Holy Ghost is going to invade you. He's going to do something mighty in you. And then he told her about the sign in verse 36, I've already referred to it, where Elizabeth, her barren cousin, was going to have a baby. Can I tell you this morning that the impossible really is God's business? The impossible really is God's business. When I consider where we're at as a church body, I just simply have to say, God, either you do it, or we're going to go down in spectacular flames. It's going to be a great crash and burn. If you don't do it, nobody can. But God is the God of the impossible. It's what he does. None of us like being in impossible situations because we want to be in control. Every one of us want to be in control. There's not a one of us in this room that doesn't have control issues. 
And I'm not a psychologist, but I know people, and that's true. Every one of us have control issues. We want to only deal with things that we can manage or manipulate or have an answer for. When we're in impossible situations, we kind of go nuts. You know what I mean? We kind of go off the chain. We just don't understand it. How is it going to happen? That's when my phone starts ringing. And I just have to smile and say, it's just what God does. He's the God of the impossible. That's his job. That's his description. That's who he is. It's what God does. Have you never thought about it? Genesis 6, Noah, God appeared to him and said, you found grace in my eyes. I can also be interpreted favor. But I got a job for you, son. I want you to build a boat. He called it an ark. Do you realize it had never rained on planet earth, not even once? Why do you need a boat? Would be Noah's reaction. I don't know how to do that would be Noah's reaction. And I know what we think. Well, he obeyed God. He went down to Lowe's. He bought the lumber and he started nailing it together. Are you kidding me? Why do you think it took him over a hundred years to build that boat? Because he had to cut, cut, cut the trees down. And he didn't have a chainsaw. He didn't have a metal axe. Have you really thought about how impossible this task was? Consider it. He had none of the tools that would make it easy to happen and easy to accomplish. It was manual labor. It was sweat and tears. It was blisters on the head. It was stone axe blades. And then how do you fell all those trees and get them down to one spot? And then how do you skim the bark off of them so you can stack them on top of one another? And then how do you seal them so the water doesn't... I mean, on and on and on I can go about the impossibility of this assignment. But God said, do it. Some of you are right here on the edge and God said, build a boat. And you're giving him all the reasons why you can't. All the reasons why it's impossible. When all he's asking you to do is take a step. Because when you take a step, you begin to see the power of God, the mighty hand of the Most High. What did Jeremiah say in chapter 33, verse 3? Call on me, and I will hear and answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Oh, come on, folks. That's the key to Christmas. God showing us things we don't know as we respond in faith to him. So I'm speaking to some folks in this room this morning who need to take a step, not away from him, but towards him. You think it's too big, it's too great, it's impossible. No, that's God's job. It's what he does. He does the impossible. Look at verses 35 and 36 of our text this morning. Hear these words. And the angel answered and said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for who, her who was... Somebody's got to hear this this morning. You're sick. I come to tell you there's healing in Jesus Christ. You're a sinner. I come to tell you there's forgiveness in Jesus Christ. You're broke. I've come to tell you there's provision in Jesus Christ. 
You've got a past that you keep buried. You don't want anybody to know about. I've come to tell you that in Jesus Christ, you can't go back and start over. But today you can start again and have a whole new ending. You don't have to let that trouble you and plague you for the rest of your life. Listen to what he said about Elizabeth. He said these words, for who her who was called barren. Maybe you were called worthless. Maybe you were called shiftless. Maybe you were called lazy. Maybe you were called a felon. Maybe you were called a washout. Maybe you were called a drug addict. Maybe you were called a failure. But I've got news for you this Christmas day when the Lord shows up. He says that may be what you were called. But the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And He will change your future. Not based on your past. But based on His plan for you. His plan for you. His plan is to prosper you, not to harm you. His plan is to give you hope and a future. Tom, will you come back, please? God was saying, just as I did something miraculous for your cousin, I'm doing something miraculous for you. There was no doubt in my mind that Mary had two options. Still, even at this point, two options. Disobey and walk away. Or surrender and receive. Surrender and receive. Notice that Mary didn't start back through a litany of her theology. But God, I'm kind of like Moses. Find somebody else I don't talk with. She didn't say, but God, I'm kind of like Jonah. I want to run away as far as I can. She didn't play the famous what-if game. She didn't say, what if nobody believes me? What if Joseph divorces me? What if he even has me stoned, which he could have? What if my parents throw me out? What if I'm excommunicated from the church? What if I'm an outcast and alone? She didn't say any of those things. What did she say? Be it unto me according to your word. Stand your feet with me this morning, please. How is it that Mary could say, do what you want to do in me? It's because in that conversation with the angel, she came to realize what a mighty God she served. Some of you in this room this morning, you have been holding back. You have been living a life that is not completely sold out to the king because you're afraid of what might happen. Let me say it again. He knows the plans he has for you. And they're plans of peace and not of evil. To prosper you and to bring you hope and future. Somebody in this room needs to say, today is my day. I'm not going to hold back any longer. I'm not going to resist God any longer. He's been talking to me. He's been challenging me. And today is my day to step up and step out and to say, God, I believe that even though it appears impossible to me, you are the God of the impossible. And I trust you with my life. That's you. Tom, you can sing anything you want. I don't really care. But that's you in this room this morning. And you say, that's me. You've spoke to me. You've preached to me. You've talked about me. And it's my turn to respond. So when Tom begins to sing, just step out and come. We're going to pray with you and pray for you. God's going to give you courage. He's going to fill you with faith as a result of your obedience to Him.
So would you come this morning as Tom sings and let us pray with you and let's see what God wants to do in your heart and in your life today. Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church, we invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida. A multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church. Sunday morning service is at 10.30, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com. 